Welcome to Celebrate Poe. This is episode 198, Poe and Nyad. The intro to this and uh, the last two episodes of Celebrate Poe is the famous introduction to Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor, often heard at, at Halloween. In fact, last year and uh, the year during the Sunday before Halloween this year, the organist at Christ Episcopal Church in Indianapolis played Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor at the end of the service, and this is the service nearest Halloween. And uh, then the uh, organist, at, like I mentioned, at Christ Church also played the same piece. Uh, and each time a group of people gathered around the church organ like groupies at a rock concert. Uh, of course, it, there was no guitar like the intro uh, to this podcast, but it was Bach's Toccato and Fugue in D minor. And in both occasions, after the organist had finished playing the piece, the churchgoers broke into applause. This year, the organist at uh, Trinity Episcopal Church in Indianapolis also played Bach's Toccata like the uh, organist at Christ Church, and this was at the end of the service and another group of churchgoers gathered around the organ and also broke into applause at the conclusion of the piece. I just thought that was kind of neat. Anyway, uh, Bach's uh, Toccato and, and Fugue in D minor is a powerful piece that is often used to emphasize the presence of terra or hara, and this was supposed to be uh, the introduction for a series uh, that I believe I mentioned uh, in the previous episode the ultimate Ahara. Uh, but I'm finding that just one, having only one podcast dealing with that subject is leading to several podcasts because there's just so much powerful information out there. I won't go into detail. I want to save you the surprise. So it'll be a few weeks at least before I finish the podcast episodes dealing with the ultimate horror, but I think it will definitely be worth it. So, part of this episode will contain sections of the episode Poe, the Long Distance Swimmer, the most popular episode of this podcast series, with almost 500 downloads in less than one year, as well as uh, a look at another long distance swimmer, Diana Nyad, and that's spelled N-Y-A-D, the subject of a movie on Netflix that premiered November the 3rd, 2023. Uh, This episode begins with a brief look uh, of the young Poe's swim across the James River and then Diana Nyad's 128-mile swim from Cuba to the United States. Uh, The episode then jumps back to Edgar Allan Poe and concludes with an assessment of Poe's potential physical and athletic abilities. George Thomas Clark, a great writer, imagines what kind of athlete 
Edgar Poe might be today, based on the poet's physical size and abilities. A, a really interesting thought experiment. Now, I'd like to start today's podcast uh, with some comments about Poe swimming across the James River when he was just 15, well, some say 16 years old. We don't have a great deal of documentation regarding that accomplishment, but the few sentences that were written regarding Poe's accomplishment at that time show us a physical side of the writer and even his character that is very often overlooked. Now, you know, when you do a podcast, the subject stays on your mind, but you have to be careful, at least I do, that you don't start talking about a subject and conversation that uh, nobody's really interested in. I know I could talk about Poe all day, uh, but I could just see, and I, I've experienced it too, uh, the um, people, uh, you know, tactfully changing the subject because I'm the only person who's who's really interested in some leaming, some little seemingly insignificant detail about Poe. But I have never been with a group that is not fascinated in, in some way uh, by uh, Poe's long-distance swimming accomplishments. I mean, how many people can say that they've, some, so that they've swum six or seven miles without stopping, all against the tide? And this was a pretty powerful tide, too, in the James River. But let me go back to the first swimmer in this episode, uh, a lady by the name of Diana Nyad. Now, let me take a sidebar here. Uh, the first time I saw that name, Diana Nyad, I thought that I had seen it uh, somewhere before, but couldn't quite place it. Uh, th then in the book, Find a Way, Diana Nyad has a section where her father points out to her that the word Nyad, N-Y-A-D, means championship swimmer. Uh, that uh, it meant that um, this should be her goal. I don't know uh, how much the father, or if the father, was putting her on. He was a rather complex character and could even be cruel and abusive. But Diana Nyad did develop a personality where she saw herself as a, a swimming champion. Now, the other place uh, that I've seen Nyad, or, or a word like it, was in one of Edgar Poe's earliest poems. See if you can spot it. To Helen by Edgar Allan Poe. Helen, thy beauty is to me like those Nicene barks of yore that gently o'er a perfumed sea the weary, wayward wanderer bore to his own native shore. On desperate seas long want to roam, thy hyacinth hair, thy classic face, thy naiad airs have brought me home to the glory that was Greece and the grandeur that was Rome. Lo, in yon brilliant window niche, how statue-like I see thee stand, the agate lamp within thy hand, ah, Psyche, from the regions which are holy land. Now, the word naiad, and that's spelled in the poem, N-A-I-A-D, is in the second stanza, as in, thy naiad airs have brought me home to the glory that was Greece and the grandeur that was Rome. Now, actually, Diana Nyad's last name is spelled N-Y-A-D, and Poe's Nyad is spelled N-Y-A-I-D, but they're both pronounced the same. 
And most importantly, they both mean a water nymph in mythology said to inhabit a river. Let me see here. Uh, anyway, uh, Diana uh, swam the distance from Cuba to Key West, Florida, uh, a distance of 111 miles in very dangerous waters. And this was after four attempts. Uh, it was actually a little bit longer than that because she did get slightly off course. Anyway, uh, not surprisingly, such an achievement required a tremendous amount of planning, training, physical strength, teamwork, and perhaps most importantly, the will to continue when you feel like giving up. And remember, Diana Nyad had tried before when she was 28. The time that she actually succeeded in swimming the distance was when she was 64. In fact, uh, Hillary Clinton read the story of Diana Nyad's accomplishments called Find a Way and said the books stayed with her throughout the general election for President of the United States. Hillary Clinton was quoted as saying, when you're facing big challenges in your life, you, you can think about Diana Nyad getting attacked by the lethal sting of box jellyfishes, and nearly anything else seems doable in comparison. Well, on September the 2nd, 2013, at uh, the uh, age of 64 years old, or 64 years young, Diana Nyad emerged onto the sands of Key West after swimming those 111 miles. In an epic feat of both endurance and human will, uh, in 53 hours, Diana uh, carried three major messages on her way across the shark-infested waters, and she spoke them to the crowd in her moment of triumph. triumph. Number one, never, ever give up. Number two, you're never too old to chase your dreams. And number three, it looks like a solitary sport, but it's really a team. Uh, Diana Nyad admits that she was a faster swimmer in her 20s, but there was no way that she had the physical strength and determination required for the swim from uh, Cuba to Florida until her 60s. And she swam that distance without, and this is really important, swam that distance without a shark cage. Technically speaking, Diana Nyad swam 12, 8 miles, 120 miles, excuse me. Um, I come back to that a little bit because uh, she did get that slightly get off course during her fifth attempt. So... Diana was a world champion in her 20s, setting the record for swimming around Manhattan Island and becoming a swimming star at the time. Back then, she made the first attempt at the Mount Everest of swims, the Cuba to Key West swim. But after 42 hours and 72 miles, she was blown desperately off course. Her dream was unfulfilled, and she didn't swim another stroke for three decades. I'm amazed that, that any individual was able to draw on the inner resources that allowed her to cross what was really a, a wilderness of water. So her accomplishment is certainly more in length 
than that of Edgar Allan Poe regarding distance at 15. You know, Edgar Allan Poe swimming, of course, across the James River. Uh, but uh, uh, this is not to diminish her accomplishment at all. And she had, she had years to prepare for it. Now, uh, let me get uh, to uh, Poe's swim, some con- contemporary comments about that swim. In Alexander's Weekly Messenger in the February 12, 1840 edition, an article was published about the death of uh, Matthew Vipend, a long-distance swimmer that compared his accomplishment, in this, this article compares his accomplishment to uh, Poe's earlier accomplishment when he was a teenager. While written about a Matthew Vipon, this article is perhaps most notable because of its coverage of Edgar Allan Poe's swim across the James River. Matthew Vipon, the celebrated swimmer, the article said, died recently at Liverpool, age 48, in July 1827. Mr. V swam on the River Mercy from Rock Point to Runcorn, uh, a distance of 22 miles in five hours and a half, a feat probably unequal and unapproached by any swimmer uh, when, um, when, when all the uh, circumstances are taken into account in ancient or in modern times. The comparative difficulty of swimming feats can only be estimated by the practical swimmer, and the writer of the paragraph above was evidently not a practical swimmer. Now remember, Edgar Allan Poe was writing this. From the place in which the feat here recorded took place, and from the time in which it was performed, it is clear that uh, the swim was with the current of the mercy. It was thus no great thing to boast of. Even admitting to it have been swum in still water, it was still nevertheless no extraordinary performance. As for it being the greatest feat of its kind on record, we say at once, no, no, uh, for a far more extraordinary one within our knowledge uh, and within that of almost every resident of Richmond, Richmond in Virginia. Mr. Poe, and he kind of gets beats around the bush before he says sometimes, he, he uh, talks about an incident sometimes. Mr. Poe, now of the Gentleman's Magazine, swam a point in the James River called uh, Ludham, Ludlam's, Lud, L-U-D-L-A-M-S, Ludham, Ludham's Wharf to a wharf at Warwick, a distance of seven miles and a half in a hot June sun and against a tide of three miles per hour. He was then but 15 years of age. The difficulty of swimming with a current is absolutely nothing. That of swimming in perfectly still water uh, is to a really able swimmer, but little greater than the difficulty of walking, merely requiring patience. But to swim against a strong current, hic labor hoc opus est. There can be no interval for rest by floating as in the other two cases, and thus this makes all the difference. Uh, There is no properly authenticated fact on record equal to that of Mr. Poe, and at the time of its performance, 
This fact was conceded by almost every journal in the United States. Now, now, uh, and this is me, not Poe talking. Uh, the writer didn't have all the intensive training that a Diana Nyad might experience, but I don't think I've ever run across a more interesting overview of Poe as an athlete, especially as a long-distance swimmer, than that of novelist George Thomas Clark. Mr. Clark writes as the head track coach on the collegiate level as well as the author of several books dealing with history. I found an excellent article by Mr. Clark called Poe the Athlete. I couldn't decide which parts to leave leave out because it's all interesting. So I'm going to read it in its entirety. And it's not that long. But I think it's really interesting because we usually don't think of Poe as an athlete. You see, the one thing that struck me the most was the description of what Poe must have felt and how it's exactly what Diana Nyad must have experienced. So here are the observations of Mr. Clark. And uh, while uh, Mr. Clark concentrates on Poe's swimming, he also has some interesting comments about Poe as a runner. Now, May the 19th, 2008. Mr. Clark writes, I'm head track at a major university and have trained some of the the uh, finest young athletes in the world. I, I don't recruit anyone lacking potential to place high and score points in important meets. That I explained to members uh, of a literary society when they presented physical data about Edgar Allan Poe. Poe was a commendable athlete in a distant time, especially for one who didn't have a strong training regimen, but I can't guarantee he would have been robust enough to excel on my team. The friends of Poe still requested I train him, theoretically, and maximize his talent, then tell them what he could have done. I accepted this intriguing project. Poe stood five foot eight and weighed about 150 pounds. Uh, he His fellows in the 1820s described him as graceful, sinewy, and live, and one overwhelmed lad uh, designated him the best, the most daring, and most enduring swimmer I have ever seen in the water. Perhaps Poe should have have had a swimming coach. At age 16, he dived uh, into uh, the James River near Richmond, and escorted by several friends in a rowboat, began smooth strokes and soft kicks, easing downriver one mile, two miles, stroking for an hour, now then three miles, and four miles, and also uh, two hours out, breathing hot, and losing his form. His friends asked, do you want us to pull you out? Poe aimed a wicked eye and struck the water. After five miles, he was probably very dizzy and disoriented, and at times strayed from the boat until told to straighten his course. 
I know he was in the zone where you don't want to quit, but crave the moment you can. After three hours, he staggered ashore at his destination, Warwick Bar, six miles from the wharf. Blisters burned his arms, shoulders, back, neck, and face, and for three unpleasant nights he tried to sleep on his stomach. Thereafter, he frequently boasted that crossing the English Channel would be a casual dip. I like athletes who have excelled at other sports and think that they're special. They have to believe, or they won't survive my workouts. I'm now obligated to tell Poe in what event he shall compete. Generally, track athletes have a delicate size, and they are distance runners and train about 100 miles a week. Given Poe's tenacity and ability to endure pain while plowing down the James River, I believe he's most suited for the 5,000 and 10,000 meter events. In short races, he dashed away from the schoolyard opponents, but definitely could not be a sprinter today, nor could he have competed with top sprinters two centuries ago. Mr. Clark continues with, I know that many have considered Poe an excellent long jumper. At the University of Virginia uh, in 1826, three of his friends ran uh, down a, a slight slope and left 19 feet. The 17-year-old poet followed and sailed a foot beyond. Uh, in 1837, Poe asserted he had jumped 20 feet, 6 inches. By 1842, uh, in saloons and autobiographical, uh, an autobiographical piece for a magazine, he, he uh, boasted of having flown 21 feet, 6 inches after a mere 20-yard approach. Aging men often get better the more distant their athletic deeds are. Uh, Poe probably prevaricated about this, as he too often did regarding alcohol, literature, and money. Only the former concerns me. I don't allow drinking on my track. No, uh, I, I just don't allow it with my team. Do it once, you're suspended for a month. After the second time, I personally tell you to pack your gear and point you out of town. Let's assume uh, the young Poe could stay sober on my team. I sense he'd then lobby to be a long jumper, but be forced to defer to African-American teammates sailing, oh, 25 feet or more. Even with weight training enhanced by anabolic steroids, which I, I don't tolerate, I I'm just speaking hypothetically, of course, Poe couldn't jump more than, I'd say, 23 feet, even from fast synthetic runways. It's possible, given recent speed of foot, that he could be a middle-distance runner competing in the 800 and 1500. Again, however, Poe's slight frame indicates slow-twitch muscle structure suited for long distance. I also think that daily long runs would improve Poe's moods. With teammates, he could run early mornings before school, study, and write during the day, 
then with the team in the afternoon, uh, do homework and more writing at night. Uh, I don't know if Poe's brain uh, would withstand this regimen, but his body could. And guided by uh, my firm hand and loud voice, he'd earn a Division I track scholarship, place in league meets, though not beyond that, and live less stressfully in early adulthood. Okay, now fast forward to the publication of a story called The Dune. It's per perhaps most notable because the story refers to a character who swims across a river. In his review of that story, Poe says, The writer seems to compare my swim with that of Lord Byron, whereas there can be no comparison between them. Any swimmer in the falls in my days uh, would have swum the Hellas Point and thought nothing of the matter. I swum from Ludlam's Wharf to Warwick, again six miles, in a hot June sun against one of the strongest tides ever known in the river. It would have been a feat comparatively easy to swim 20 miles in still water. I would not think much of attempting to swim the British Channel from Dover to Calais. Well, for conclusion, I'd like uh, to, uh, for you to remember that in all likelihood, Poe swam across the James River to prove himself, certainly an understandable reason for an active youth. Most, bio most biographers say that Poe was emulating Lord Byron swimming across the Hellas Port. So while Poe was not making a name for himself as a great writer, at least not yet, I believe uh, he was determined to make a local name for himself as a swimmer. Uh, let me end the main part of this podcast episode by saying that while there uh, certainly wasn't the emphasis on adults being physically active like there is today, in many areas, uh, it would be very interesting if Poe had simply been more aware of his health, living less stressfully, and being fully aware of the destructive effects of drugs and alcohol. Now, as for sources for this episode, of course, there's Poe, the Athlete by George Thomas Clark, Scholar, Athlete, and Artist, Edgar Allan Poe at the University of Virginia by Scott D. Pearson, Edgar A. Poe, Mournful and Never-Ending Remembrance by Kenneth A. Silverman, The Complete Works of Edgar Allan Poe by Edgar Allan Poe, Edgar Allan Poe, A Critical Biography by Arthur Hobson Quinn, the Poe Log, A Documentary Life of Edgar Allan Poe by Dwight Thomas and David K. Jackson. Poe and Place by Philip Edward Phillips. And New Glimpses of Poe by James A. Harrison. Thank you for listening to Celebrate Poe. Mm -hmm.